We have talked about networking quite a bit here on LJN Radio, and for good reason. It's still the best way to land a job or career that you want. But you can't do just anything. You need to make impressions on the right people. The key word is attract their attention. So you need to do something, say something, write something, or speak in a public forum where the people you want to reach and attract and impress are likely to, to, to see that and perhaps even make a comment to you. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Job Search Guide. I'm Tim Muma. Deborah Feldman is an executive talent agent with a keen sense of how networking is most effective. And she has some terrific insight on what to do and how to thrive when you're seeking that next great position. Deborah, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Networking is always one of those things that lots of people have thoughts on and and many are unsure where to begin or what to do. And having someone like you on, though, I like to find out how do you define networking? What's your personal thought on what exactly it is? Well, I I would say I would break it into a specific type of networking, especially related to careers, and I've labeled it network purposely. For the last almost 20 years, I've been helping senior-level executives to make the connections that they need that will further their career ambitions. In other words, I look at networking as connecting with people, having meaningful dialogues where both people are able to benefit. Sure. To me, networking, to just tell your, your barber that, hey, you're going to be moving to a different you know, t- town, that's not networking. Talking to your barber about the fact that you're moving to a new town and looking for a new job as a policeman, that's a little bit of networking, but it's not really networking purposely because it would be better to say to that barber, hey, you know me, this is, you know I've been a policeman here for X number of years. Mm-hmm family's relocating, I'm going to look for another job in a police department where we're going. By any chance, do you know anyone that lives there or that has any connections to the police department there that could tell me about it? Well, and I think that leads into uh, a phrase that you had given to me that you like to utilize, and that's the idea of unique value contribution. What is that, and how does that play a role in having these conversations when you're networking? Okay, that's borrowed from marketing parlance, which is unique value proposition. A unique value contribution is to identify what it is that you can do for someone that is going to be sticky, that they're going to remember, mm-hmm. to be of value to them. What is it that you do that they're going to associate with your name? And what is it that you're going to provide to an individual or a group that's going to enhance their experience, that's going to address a problem for them, that's going to solve a challenge or other way have an impact on their lives. So is this something where, I mean, you bring up the idea of just talking to someone casually. When you're talking about more expressing your skills or experience, that sort of thing, are you looking at this from a a formal networking standpoint, or is that something you can still kind of put into a casual conversation? Well, why don't you tell me what's casual, what's formal? I don't think in this day and age we should think about interactions as only a formal, when you're sitting across the desk from a prospective employer Mm -hmm. having a formal interview. With with things the way they are, there's a lot more movement in the job market than there has ever been. People stay in positions for less time than they used to. And everyone, I think, needs to be prepared that sooner or later, 
more likely sooner, they're going to be looking for a new, a new or a different career opportunity. And so I think the interactions, you always have to be mindful. Just as we, the, when people are reading, you've got to watch what you put on social media. The same way is watch what you're saying when you're having conversations, whether it's a good friend or a, a, an acquaintance, because people remember what they hear. Mm-hmm. Since you brought up social media, I was going to touch on it at some point. Do you see a lot of positive value in networking via social media, or is that something you would, I don't know, use that as sort of a jumping-off point but not the end-all, be-all as far as improving your career prospects? I think that any information that people can glean about you is useful and has networking value. And therefore, I would say that, yes, whatever you're putting out there on social media may have an effect, make an impression, may make an impression on people about you, and it may also give them information that will be valuable and be a contribution you've shared. I think that's a well-phrased way to put that, and I think uh, hopefully people can understand the difference there between uh, being purposeful when you are networking versus simply you know, posting something online that you might think is fun or funny. On the flip side, when you're talking about skills and things that are uh, positive and, and things that you can bring as far as value, uh, there's always that feeling that, well, I don't qualify in this regard or I have a weakness in that respect. How do you maybe counteract that? How do you make sure that that isn't something that's detrimental to your possible job? Well, I think one of the things you can do is prepare. If you know you're going to be meeting with someone or talking to someone or talking to someone who's going to know someone that might be helpful to you in terms of a career move, you want to try to think about what it is that they may need from you And then think about as well, what is it that they may see about you or your background that may cause them to hesitate and think that you might be a risk. Mm -hmm. And once you've identified that risk or that challenge or that weakness, it's important to address it. Either don't let it become an elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. It is will bring it up early in the conversation. And if if it's a deal breaker, then don't waste your time anymore. Go on to the next. If it's something that's not a deal breaker, then you want to be able to offer something that's unexpected. So, for example, if you don't have a college degree and most people in a particular position that you want have a college degree, you may want to make sure that people understand that you're an avid reader, that you've taken extension courses, that there were special circumstances that have prevented you from pursuing a degree either when you were younger or even to go back to night school or something today. Now, when you are talking about the quote-unquote weaknesses or something that you know might not be, a, or as you put it, it might be a risk in their mind, can you give us any sort of example of how you turn that into something that is at least a neutral or a positive? Because you always hear the the cheesy one of, well, I just work too hard. That's my weakness. Uh, and obviously nobody wants to hear that. So is there any example you can offer up that turns uh, that weakness, so to speak, into something that's a positive or at least not as detrimental or risky? Well, I think sometimes people will say, well, we expected someone to have an engineering background for that particular job and you don't have an engineering degree. I think then you can say to them, but You know, I worked on a team with engineers. I had the same responsibilities as the engineers. I have the same skills and knowledge that Mm -hmm. someone with an engineering background would have. And really, I have the experience. I've done the job. 
that's the proof that I can do this even though I didn't go to school for engineering. Sure. Going to the idea of who we're talking with and networking purposefully, as you uh, noted at the beginning, does it matter who you're talking with as far as, you know, someone within a company, someone you mentioned earlier, someone that knows someone that knows someone? Uh, What should be the focus as far as ideally who you're speaking with? The ideal is to always be able to have a conversation with the hiring decision maker, that individual who owns the problem that you can address, Hmm. the person who has the budget and the authority to, to pay you the money to hire you for the job. Ultimately, everyone else you're talking to is for the purpose of leading you to get in touch and get a, make a one-on-one connection with the person who is the hiring decision maker for mm-hmm. the role you want. Is there any sort of concern of, I don't know, ethical ways of handling that uh, where you're, uh, you know, in this case, you're kind of talking about not speaking to the recruiter, but quote unquote, going over their head to the person who might have that hiring decision. Is there any danger in doing that? Is there a tactful way of making sure you handle that properly? I think it's um, a really bad idea to go over someone's head. Okay. I think that just sets a precedent that you're looked at as someone who can't be trusted. Hmm. So you're breaking protocol. Um, the other thing is that you shouldn't have to do that because you sh- you should have identified an opportunity or have a company that you want to work for that has a need you can fill. And you should go purposely to network on your own to connect with the hiring decision maker and not be, you know, sending in a resume or an application that can get rooted to, to HR. Right. So in other words, I would say just do everything in your power to not ever interact with HR or the recruiters what you first. <laughs> It's very likely that if you get to the hiring manager, they're going to say, look, we have a protocol here. I have to ask you to talk to my recruiter or I have to reroute this. But at least you've gotten your name in front of the person who can hire you. And hopefully they'll keep you in mind if the resume gets back to them again. You also then have a name that you can follow up with directly, even if you're going through HR. It shows that you're curious. It shows you've done your homework. It shows you're serious about wanting to pitch yourself to them. And it shows you're clever. (laughs) Speaking of clever, uh, what are some examples of ways people could potentially make that initial contact or start that conversation? Because I think a lot of people are leery about just reaching out, especially let's say it's just on social media and, and bugging someone and hoping that they catch their eye. What are some positive ways that you can attract someone who might be in that position that you want to make sure you're having that relationship with or at least starting a conversation? I think you have to do something, as you said, the key word is attract their attention. So you need to do something, say something, write something, or speak in a public forum Hmm. where the people you want to know about you are going to be exposed. You're going to expose yourself in a good way to them. So volunteer to chair a committee. Volunteer to set up a dinner or a luncheon or a breakfast at a, at a conference or even among your peers. Go ahead and write an article and post it in a company newsletter or in an industry newsletter or some other, you know, legitimate forum where the people you want to reach and attract and impress are likely to, to, to see that and perhaps even make a comment to you. Another thing that you can do is comment on what they're writing. Hmm. You can, you know, think about even going on Amazon and writing a book review 
on a business book that you read that's likely to be something that, you know, the people you're interested in meeting will also be interested in reading. Right. I like that idea, a sort of uh, not in a bad way, but commenting on something they do. I, I see that I see that as being very receptive because we all like to hear a positive thing about something we wrote or said. So I could see that being a, a good way to start things off. That's great, Tim, because one of the things that any author will tell you is how they really don't get a lot of feedback on their work. Right. And nothing feels better to an author than someone saying, all your hard work that went into creating that piece paid off. I enjoyed it. You've done good. I think you may have found a nice market inefficiency there that people could take advantage of. Maybe uh, that's something that, if you take nothing else away from this conversation, find a way to comment positively on uh, someone you're interested in catching their eye. I think it'll do a, a world of positive for you. Speaking of that, though, let's say you do bump into someone at a conference that you wanted to speak with or you do catch their attention in some way and there's just a brief interaction. Talk about following up. How long do you wait? What do you do in a follow-up? What if you're not hearing back? I mean, do you keep checking in with them? Do you keep doing something? Give us kind of the the general idea of what a quality follow-up conversation or piece might be like. Okay. I don't think it's ever too soon to follow up. Okay. You can follow up five minutes after you meet someone if you have something valuable, a contribution to say Mm -hmm. something. Don't, Don't say, hey, I'd like to continue the conversation. Have something to say that, you know, will spark a conversation. Don't let it sound, you know, um, stilted or fake. Right. Once you've sent them something genuine and authentic about your feelings, give them a few days to respond. If you haven't heard anything, you can, you know, contact them in a week and say, hey, I, re- I sent you something, an email or a letter or whatever a week ago. Didn't see that your, your reply, just wondering if you, if you did get it. Do you mind letting me know? If you did get it, I'd really like to follow up and talk to you again. So the idea is just uh, you don't want to obviously pester them or be a, a pest in some way, but just making sure that you're trying to continue that conversation. I, I think a lot of people are just worried about being pushy in a lot of these situations. Well, you know, I think after a few times, if you don't get any response, I would hold off for a while. And then if you really are serious and really do want to talk to that person, follow up after, after a break. Hmm. People are really busy. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that is the, the concern also, as you said, they're busy and it's, am I being ignored? Are they just not getting it? Uh, uh, but as you said, I think you got to kind of feel out what's going on with that individual and what exactly you're sending them. Deborah, as always, these conversations go way too fast. So we're getting low on time, but I wanted to give you the floor at the end here. As far as the things we talked about, or maybe something we didn't touch on specifically, what would you want to give the listeners as a final takeaway from this conversation today? A couple of things. One is how important follow-up is. Don't expect any results from initiating a contact or following up on the, on the first time you try. Things get lost in the mail. Things get misplaced. People get busy. People forget. Number two is don't think you're networking for, to get a new job if you just randomly tell everyone you happen to meet that you're looking for a job. Make sure that you understand what it is you're looking for and can articulate it so people can understand and help you. And choose who you talk to about your, in networking so that they are people you've pre-screened and know they're likely to be able to either hire you or refer you to the person who can hire you. And if you do those two things, you'll find that 
our job search will, will speed along a lot faster, be a lot emotionally less stressful, and a lot more productive. Well, I think those are great keys to focus on. And for those listening, uh, they would appreciate the less stress and less time. I think that would be extremely positive for all of those that are paying attention here today. Deborah, thank you very much for coming on, giving us some examples and also some uh, kind of behind the curtain ideas that will help people out. So I appreciate you coming on the show. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. Look forward to the next time, Tim. That is all the time we have on this episode of Job Search Guide here on LJN Radio. Once again, we were visiting with Deborah Feldman. You can find out more about Deborah and her work by going to jobwiz.com. That's J-O-B-W-H-I-Z.com. And you can get all the details on what she can do to help you as well. If you have any comments about this or any of our shows, you can send us some feedback, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. That's the email address. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, at the LJN. And, of course, you can find all of our shows in a couple of places, either on iTunes for free, or you can come to our site, localjobnetwork.com slash resources, and you'll find a number of complimentary resources for you, including all of our episodes from LJN Radio. So with that, thank you all for joining us once again. Take care, everybody.